Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. You've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. Markets, speculation, and risk. This is the Chat with Traders podcast, hosted by Aaron Fifield. Welcome, everybody. This is episode 182 of Chat with Traders. Joining me is returning guest Nico, who goes by the handle of at inefficientmrkt on Twitter. Nico is an intraday equities trader and has been for about 12 years now. His area of expertise lies in low-float, micro-cap stocks, now exclusively playing the short side of overextended moves. Nico and I spoke almost exactly three years ago on episode 96, which was memorably titled An Eight-Year Overnight Success Story. Now picking up where we left off, we discuss what has been happening as of late. The most notable development being, after many years trading retail, Nico has gone into proprietary trading with Seven Points Capital. Going one step further, he has also established and heads up the firm's San Diego office. That's the first half of this episode. During the second half, I ask Nico to share how he's evolved as a trader in recent years. More specifically, what has changed, what remains the same, and what's been fine-tuned. As always, links to episodes mentioned during this chat can be found in the show notes at chatwithtraders.com slash 182. And by the way, as it has relevance to this episode, I have a brilliant interview with Mike Mangieri, one of the managing partners of Seven Points Capital, coming soon too. Stay tuned for when it drops. Anyway, Nico's a great dude and it was really great to catch up with him, hearing about his continued progression. So. I hope you'll enjoy this one. Here we go. Anyway, enough of that. How was uh, how was your trading day? It was good. It's been nice. The micros have been moving a lot more active lately, so it's been uh, opportunities have been abound, which is really nice. I almost resigned myself to. I think I need to take a serious look and learn how to trade big caps better or at all. Um, just because it was so dead for a while in the micro world. It was like feast or famine, you know? Uh, SES came out of nowhere. Um, was that last Friday? Or the Friday before? Two Fridays ago, I think. And since then, there's been opportunities every day. 
which has just been great. Really nice. Yeah, I saw a few people talking about that one. What what was the story behind SES? I don't even know. Um, I mean, from I was I wasn't even trading that day. I took that day off. I was traveling, or I was in no, I was already in Vegas for um for traders for a cause, and I, I wasn't even I wasn't even trying to trade. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we flew in on Thursday, and then the next day was we were just hanging out on Friday. And just crazy, crazy runner. Um, a few guys from the firm were trading it um, with hard stops, fortunately. And when it just started squeezing and turned into monster mode, it was just, uh, you know, incredibly thin. And I, I don't know what the state was, if it was easy to borrow and all the usual houses across the street, but. Um, it sure acted that way with a lot of short stuck. I mean, that thing went to the moon in after hours. It seemed like, I think it went to nine twenty-seven. Uh, it's just, just wild, wild runner. That's $27. Uh, no, $9 and 27 cents, I think. Oh, okay. And, and where did it start before things kind of heated up? Um, let's see. Got my charts in front of me. Pretty low, right? So that was day one. So day one, um, so the Thursday before it closed at a dollar eighty, and then Friday it opened at three dollars and thirty-seven cents. It closed at five twenty-five, the regular session, but I think it ripped all the way to nine twenty-seven, nine dollars and twenty-seven cents in after hours, which just shorts were just dead. And then um, you got the blow-off day two candle on Monday, where it opened at. 1015 and it had a high at $26.10. And we were all speculating in Vegas and we were all together that this is, you know, feast or famine. This is exactly what uh, we were used to famine in the micro in the micros for the all the opportunities. There's just nothing. It's just n- nothing was amounting to to much at all. And then right out of left field when none of us were looking for it, we're all just hanging out in Vegas, man. SES came with a vengeance and just sparked the entire micro market again, brought it back to life. Man, that is such a wild move. You totally never see wild. that sort of thing on ASX stocks. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you see, you see some pretty crazy things, but uh, nothing to that extent. Like that's yeah, that's pretty next wild. Level. I'm surprised you don't have people taking advantage of shorts that are stuck or cornering a market. I mean, there's, there's only so many ingredients you need to generate or create a tsunami of a move. Yeah. It's pretty, it's not too complex. So <laughs> I'm kind of surprised you don't, I mean, I'm not familiar with the, the, the earmark, your, your stock exchange, but I guess I just assumed that there's crazy things happening in markets all over the world. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I don't know. A stock that goes from like a dollar to what was it twenty six dollars something um, <laughs> within a couple of days like that's that's uh, that's something else. Pretty pretty intense, no doubt. Uh, I was also going to ask you how was your Vegas trip? Oh, it was great. It was great. It was really nice. Got to revisit with uh, cats and and guys from the firm from Seven Points. My entire San Diego team went, and they got to meet. Meet cats, meet Mike, and and some other traders from the firm who who flew in, and uh, it was just really nice to hang out and and we all have trading on the mind, but it's nice to 
relax and enjoy each other's company and have a good time in Vegas also. Uh, good stuff, man. And how long have you been with the firm now? Because this is something we're going to get into. Sure. So how long have you been with, with Seven Points now? So officially, I think I started last April. Once I finally got past all the licensing and you know studying and taking the exams and, and all that stuff. Okay. Okay. Cool. Let's let's get into this. So last time we spoke, uh, which was uh, something like three years ago, you were a retail trader. Uh, you were just trading your own account. You're trading for yourself from home. Uh, today, you're a proprietary trader uh, and you're with Seven Points Capital. What sparked the, the move to go from retail to prop? I guess it's a little short story that got me thinking, got me interested. But um, when I was a retail trader, I never thought I'd ever want to trade someone else's money. You know, why would I ever want to lose someone else's money other than my own? It just never, it didn't make much sense to me. But last October, a year ago, uh, in Vegas, I took my wife and she was getting into trading. So she was really excited to go to all the talks and stuff at, at Traders for a Cause. Um, and be, you know, meet a bunch of other traders and that kind of thing. And when we went, I, I, Katz and I had been going a little bit back and forth over Twitter. And when we got to meet in Vegas last year and we kind of got a, a developing friendship going on and he brought a bunch of members from the firm, a bunch of traders and got to meet them all. And eventually my wife, you know, was like, hey, you notice everyone from Seven Points was just really nice, like just like no ego and just like a pleasure to be around and just really kind. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You know, I wasn't really focused on that, but I think you're right. And they just seemed like really good people. So um, our friendship, Mike Katz and my friendship continued a bit. I guess if, if you want to rewind a little bit uh, to the point where everyone was talking about this cats guy on Twitter. And I, I was like, I don't know who this guy is. What, who, who is this person? Why, why is, what's all the buzz about this guy? And I had a couple of friends that were like, you don't know who my cats is. Listen to his travel trader. So I listened to it and I went, Oh man, that guy sounds really good. So fast forward a little bit. I got to meet him in Vegas and uh, we just had a developing friendship. We got along really well. And the four of us, he brought his wife and I brought mine and one, one night we had dinner and we were just getting along and he was like, uh, you know, I was like, if you ever been to San Diego and he said no and I was like, well, you should come, you know, San Diego's, San Diego's great. And he was like, have you ever been to New York? And I was like, no, never. <laughs> he was like, well, you should come. And I was like, well, if I'm ever there, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll stop by. Well, as luck had it, um, I was there a few months later. And I stopped by the firm to take a visit, pop in for a visit. And as soon as I walked in, I just never seen anything like it before. And I was like a kid in a candy store. I mean, one giant room with all these traders and all these computers and all these monitors and a squawk box. And you could just feel the energy of the traders. I mean, this is unlike anything I'd ever experienced as a retail trader. This was like, some really exciting next level thing for me. You know, I was starting to get the gears moving in my head and I was like, wow, you know, 
What's that like? That's got to be a, an amazing thing to sit in a room with physically, sit physically in a room with other other traders and be able to connect with them and be there for them and support them and they're supporting you. I mean, you can't imagine every trader's having a great day every day when they trade together. You're going to get some guys that aren't having good days and some guys that are. Um, so I was just kind of thinking about it all and we went to lunch and Mike invited someone who I, I never met before and his name's um, Mike Mangieri. Turns out he's he's the other partner for the firm and we just had a good lunch and we were just getting to know each other more and conversations just grew and the opportunity arose and it came to a point where I traded when we did our first call, Aaron, I think he said almost three years ago, I, I traded alone for many, many, many years. And I think that was a large reason why it took me so long to reach consistent profitability, consistency. And once I started hanging out on Twitter, you know, everything from the last call that we did three years ago, you know, once I started getting social about it, I started connecting with other traders on the internet and all that kind of thing. I was able to compare myself and figure, you know, what are they doing? I want to, you know, I can do that. Why not? That kind of thing. And I don't know, man, like it just, it was just something that I had to, I had to run with it. I had to, I had to, to find out. It's like, this has to be some next level thing. You know, it's one thing to be in a bunch of chat rooms on the internet with, and you're surrounding yourself, connecting with other traders over the internet, but being in a room with other traders, that's a whole nother dynamic, man. That's like, that's a game changer. That's like, that, that's, that could, that's gotta be extremely valuable. And it is, I'm, I'm you know, we're experiencing it. Um, here in the San Diego office, but it's it's very different than trading alone in your head. It's it's incredibly different. It's interesting that you know this wasn't something that you intentionally went out looking for. You know, a firm that you could join. It was just something that kind of happened uh, somewhat naturally. So I think that was quite interesting. Yeah, and I'll I'll add a little bit to that. You know, Katz is someone who. When the opportunity's there, this you know the thesis is there, the setup's right. You know, if it he's looking to put some size on a trade. And there's I've met other traders last year from the firm, um, Riley, who runs the Toronto office, young kid, and and Stan. You've had Stan on. Um, Stan did a, a, a call, an interview with you on on chat with traders. And I mean, these are guys that. You know, once I got to know, I got to meet them last year and I got to know more about their, them and how they trade. You know, I started realizing some of the, like the volume that Stan was trading. I mean, that's stuff that <laughs> I don't know anyone. I'm not sure I know anyone who trades retail that trades that kind of volume. Uh, it, it, it's just so, it, it was, con you know, I was putting myself in a situation where, yeah, let's have an office, get some guys in here we can all benefit from each other being in the same room trading together. And it's also getting closer to traders in the firm that, you know, I, I, I've been trading for, I think 12 years now. And, you know, I want to, I'm not done growing and learning. I'm, I'm not satisfied. And it's being, you know, surrounding yourself with people that are 
kicking some ass and and yeah so you know let me jump in there nico sure because that's an interesting point you bring up um you know you said you've met all the guys from the firm prior to to starting and they were all really nice and you clicked really well um but beyond that and you also sort of made the point that it wasn't something you were intentionally seeking out was to join a firm when the opportunity started to come about did you see it as something that could help you grow and sort of um, push your development as a trader even further? Um, like, was there anything specific which, uh, you know, made it clear to you that there could be an opportunity here for you to, to level up? I, I think that might have been the main purpose for me jumping into the, the prop world. Okay. You know, I was, I was, I was really comfortable trading my retail accounts i had no i was doing fine when you're alone in your i don't know how to describe it you hit you hit certain plateaus and absolutely you know you go from making a thousand bucks a day to two thousand bucks a day three thousand bucks a day you hit stretches you're making four thousand bucks a day that's great but when you're you're trying to do that on a daily basis it becomes increasingly apparent to you when you're trying to size up in in the right environment in the right trades that what your limitations are <laughs> the market will will smack you right in the face and let you know it's like a giant mirror and <laughs> so having those experiencing those limitations just countless times you know and always hungry for that next level you know I was like wow you know here's some guys at this firm, they're trading obscene amounts of volume. I mean, highly consistent. I mean, these are some stone cold killers. Like I want to be around, I want to connect with these guys. I want to trade with these guys. I want to see what this is about. So it definitely was a driving force for me to jump in there and give it a shot. You know, what do I have to lose? Yeah. And when you're around that sort of thing and you see that consistently, you know, day after day, it starts to normalize uh, those kind of numbers. You know what I mean? You kind of accept oh, that as the new normal and it doesn't become, uh, it sort of seems more in reach for you, I guess, in many ways. I think so. But you, you highlight a great point about trading. I mean, the dollars, they're just digits on a screen and you, you, start, you start putting more size on and the, you start adding a zero here and there. And I mean, it just turns into crazy money. And, you know, my wife will make fun of me because we'll go out to dinner and I'll quibble with the waitress because she's charging me for a drink I never ordered and never <laughs> drank. You know, I'm like, Hey, I didn't pay for this $5 drink. Can you take it off my bill? She'll laugh at me because she's like, you'll quibble over $5. She's like, but I'll watch you lose like, you know, two or three grand on a bad trade and not even blink an eye. <laughs> It's different. But it's different. It's the principle, it's, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the principle, but it's also the 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 point of view. I mean, dollars just in the real world are just so different than dollars in the market to me. I think it's that way for a lot of traders too. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So once you did start trading with the firm, you know, this is your first time as a prop trader now, what were some of the biggest adjustments? Like what were some of the things you... um uh, maybe unexpected in some ways. What were the things that you had to get used to? So I can't recall whether I started exclusively using hard stops before I came to seven points or 
just as I, or once I got to seven points, but using hard stops coupled with having a daily lockout, basically a collar around your neck that had me trading a lot differently than what I was used to as a retail trader. Extremely different. I could be sloppy as a retail trader and let risk get away from me and maybe I'd go down more than I wanted to, but then maybe I'd make it all back and and a little bit more. You know, you could just, I got rewarded for trading sloppy for so long. Um, Not all the time. I'm just saying, you know, everyone has their moments, right? Yeah. But when I got to seven points, you know, it's different. It's very different trading someone else's money, the firm capital. It's not, it's not like trading your money, my own money. It's, it's nowhere close to it. Um, I think having a good trading process gets you there. I mean, that's what it's all about is like, if you have a good trading process, you know, when you're trading your own money, you join a, join a firm. And once you acclimate to trading firm capital, you know, your process is going to rise above and you're going to, you're going to, it'll be fine. It'll be no different, but it takes some adjustment. It's, it's definitely a lot different. I, I, I was, I definitely underestimated my perception of what I thought it'd be like to trade someone else's money. Cause it's, it's a play on the emotions. It's for some people, maybe they want to take on more risk because it's someone else's money. And for some other people, maybe they want to take on less risk than their own money when they're trading someone else's money. Cause they don't want to lose someone else's money. But I knew I wanted to be responsible. And I knew for many, many years that I should probably start using hard stops to keep my risk in check. Cause you know, as we all know, as traders, you can trade sloppy, uh, you know, 50 times and you can get away with it 48 or 49 times. But it's that one time that the market won't let you get away with it. And you'll just, it's just bad, just disaster, you know? Yeah. I like how you point out that it took some adjusting for you to uh, get comfortable with trading someone else's money. Because often you hear people make like off the cuff comments about how oh, they're trading someone else's money. It doesn't matter if they lose. But I think that some people perhaps struggle with that more than they do uh, trading their own money. You know, not everyone. Everyone's obviously different. But there are some people who are going to find it easier to trade with their own money and lose their own money as opposed to someone else's. And then some people will be completely the opposite. So it's not like it's, it's the same across the board. I was a little in the former camp. It, for me, I was thinking I wouldn't care to risk someone else's money, but I ended up caring way more than I thought I would. Well, especially because you've done it for so long as well. Like you've been trading like at home for what, like 10 years, probably 10, 11 years before you came over to the firm. So that's just something you, it was really ingrained in you. I mean, when I, when I was busy losing my money as a retail trader, I didn't have anyone, you know, looking over my shoulder being like, Hey, or watching what I'm doing. And so yeah, you know, you, you don't you don't want to come off like you're a cowboy to the firm, or at least I don't. You know, I want to come <laughs> of off like, course. you know, I want to prove myself, prove my worth, show them I'm responsible, show them I know, you know, I know how to trade and focused on risk and I'm focused on taking losses when I should. You know, I don't want any disasters like I used to do when I was a retail trader and having hard stops is really the simplest solution to doing that. You know, you don't need to lose $30,000 on something like PTI. I mean, you just, you don't need to be losing money like that. It's just, it's pointless. It's like, why let your risk get so out of control just because 
you know, you think you're going to be right in the end and you want to see what happens in the trade. It's just a disaster waiting to happen. And that, that's the issue. It's like you'll get away with it 48, 49 times out of 50. But I don't know what the stat is or 99 times out of 100, whatever it is. But it's that one time out of 50 or one time out of 100 that'll just take you to the cleaners and send you down into the pits of despair in your mental state. And then you got to crawl out of that one. Mental capital wise, as a, in addition to whatever you lost, you know, trading capital wise. So I think anyways, long answer to your question. Yeah. Having hard stops, big adjustment for me in my style of trading and also the daily lockout, which is a risk, a risk system of, you know, once every trader's different, every trader's, you know, assigned a different amount of buying power from the firm. They've got a different daily lockout number. And once you hit that, once you're down that much, uh, net on the day, realized and unrealized, you get a pop-up on your platform that just says, eh, you're done. You, you messed up. Always, always another day to come back and fight tomorrow. One of the other things I wanted to ask you around this is you'd been so used to trading retail. Once you started trading prop, were there any other greater advantages or little tricks which became available to you, which gave you a great edge, a great advantage, you know, those things could be, uh, you know, I know routes are a big thing, like where you're routing your orders. Um, maybe there are some options which are available to you now, which weren't when you were retail. Um, I've, I've never, in all the years that I've been trading, when I got to seven points and I, on the first day and I went and clicked the drop down of all to see all the choices of where I could route my orders, I've never seen so many choices in my life of in my career as a trader. So definitely a lot of options, you know, a lot of edge to be had in where you send your orders and, and that kind of thing. I'm still learning a lot. Um, I still kind of have a simple mind, you know, coming from retail of when I'm providing, I want to use this route. And when I'm taking, I want to use this other route. But there's there a lot of advantages to that these traders and me included now have access to inverse routes and I mean, I'm, I'm learning a lot from Stan, you know, Stan's really a really good resource for this kind of stuff. And I think he even touched on it or, or went into some detail on it in his call with you. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, when I was, for example, when I was a retail trader, I knew of inverse routes, but I never understood why, you know, why would anyone, why would anyone let me take their liquidity and I could collect a rebate. I, I never understood it. Stuff like that, little questions like that, little things I've, I've noticed over the years and, and now I'm um, getting a little bit savvy to it, but I still have a lot to learn. Okay. Are there any other advantages which should just sort of come to the top of your mind? Being with a firm? Yeah, like uh, maybe the commissions as well or... The expenses are, are a great point. Um, seven points doesn't charge any commissions. So zero commissions and all the rebates are passed through and fees, ECN fees, et cetera, are passed through. So if you, you know, you're sitting on the book all the time and you can make money on rebates and um, it's really nice to not have to pay commissions. And I think that's a formula. By the way, you take someone like Stan who might trade half a million or a million shares in a day on some days, easy. <laughs> I mean, good luck doing that when you're retail. That doesn't, that's going to get really expensive really quickly. So there's, there's some edge to be had in, in 
pushing some volume like that, you know, when you're not paying commissions and stuff like that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the U.S. markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So the next part, I guess, would be talking about how you've set up uh, this office in San Diego, which I think is really awesome. Uh, and I'd love to hear a bit more about it. Yeah, just tell me a little bit about what you've set up there, how that sort of came about. Yeah, sure. So uh, we launched on September 3. What led up to that was, you know, Katz had a vision of having an office out on the West Coast. And the more we talked about it, the more it just seemed like it, it could it could work. And and we just both jumped into it. And we, uh, we launched on September 3. I mean, before that, we had to find... Um, some office space. So I went around the city looking for some office space, the WeWorks and <laughs> all those other kinds of places. And um, we settled on a, on a great spot here. We're, on, we're in UTC, just on the outskirts of La Jolla, uh, right by UC San Diego. And it's a great spot. It's a comfy room. It's intimate. It's not, it's not, the, biggest, not the biggest room. And we got four desks in here and had uh, opened up, you know, for applications and had a tremendous response. I I never thought that that many people. I just didn't know that many people were interested or that many people would want to sit in a room to get you know together. And I just didn't know. I also didn't have a gauge for how many traders are there actually in San Diego uh, or you know in Southern California. You know, it's tough out here. We're we're West Coast, so we're on we're on California time. So, you know, if you're if you're planning your trading day, you know, market opens at six thirty local time. So you gotta be you gotta be up and at them in the in the four AMs, you know, four thirty or something, you know, at least give yourself a good hour, hour and a half, if not two hours of prep. You know, plan your day, see what you're you, you know, you're gonna attack, all that kind of stuff. But um I was delighted. I couldn't believe how Tremendous amount more applications than I ever ever could have dreamed of. So it was really nice. Got to got to. I did a deep study. Um, Katz made it clear to me it's it's my office. He'll support me and guide me as much help as I want. But I get to decide, 
you know, who's going to sit in a room with me all day. And so having that many applicants, it was just wonderful because really got a, all spectrums, you know, all spectrums. I had guys that applying that saying they never placed a trade before to guys applying that were very, 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 very profitable. But it didn't just come down to prof- profitability. You know, it's also a, a personality thing. It's got to be the right fit. And I knew that coming into it because, you know, you could pick the s- most badass superstar trader there is, but if he's got a ton of ego or she's got a ton of ego, you got to ask yourself, is that someone I want to be sitting in a room with all day? Probably not, at least not for me. So there is a, there is definitely an interview process and, you know, email back with some questions. So there's you and, and three others? That's right. Currently? Okay. What was probably most challenging in, in setting this up? Like, obviously, it's something you've not done before. Yeah, what was most difficult about getting it set up? Maybe even not even just the setup, but maybe on a day-to-day. Like, is there anything which has sort of been a little bit challenging about this this whole thing? Uh, I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't don't feel like really, you've got to make something up. I mean, really, no, I wouldn't make anything up. I don't. It's it's basically been a breeze. I'll tell you what has been was the most challenging was getting the licenses to do this, you know, to run an office and, and all that stuff, the, the series 57 to, to be a licensed trader, no longer retail, a professional trader so that you could trade firm capital. And then, um, I took it one step further with the series 24 license to have my own office. And, and so I could run the office, that kind of thing. Um, that studying for those licenses. And I mean, that was probably the the biggest challenge, but, and that's because the, the firm has already done this before. This isn't the first, you know, satellite office, uh, seven points has, has launched. They've got Greg in, in New Jersey, Stan in Fort Lauderdale, Riley in Toronto. And, um, we just launched San Diego just, uh, early September. So, it's not their first rodeo. They had a lot of, they, they'd done all this stuff before. So any challenges were easily, easily mitigated. They already knew everything to do. Now, the traders you have in the room or in the office there with you, uh, what's their kind of experience level like? The three guys, we've got two guys that are kind of similar. Um, one's definitely heavily trading micro in the micros like me. Um, the other one, another one is also, but also trading bigger names, uh, you know, big board names, bigger market names. And then there's another guy who's, who's trading, uh, I'd say almost exclusively large caps only. So you got a, you got a really nice mix and a really nice blend. And, you know, each throughout the day, we're all you know, sometimes we're, some of us are trading in our heads. Like I'll still catch myself where um, I'm trading. And even though I got three guys right next to me, you know, I'm extremely silent and I'm, I'm just really quiet and I'm kind of in my head and I have to catch myself in those moments to try and pull myself out of my head and realize, Hey, I got like, I got a huge edge over like every other retail trader out there right now. I got a I got a team of guys right next to me. Like, you know, what are they thinking about what I'm seeing or what do they think about this trade or, or, you know, do they think a short is a long and am I nuts or, or what? 
yeah, it's probably nice that you've got a bit of a mix in there. Like you're not all doing the exact same thing. Like sure, you're all trading equities, but you focus on slightly different uh, areas in that equity market. Definitely. I, I think that's, it, that was, you know, it almost seemed like I did it on purpose. I wish I would have, but it just, I went for personalities over, you know, when you put a, uh, you know, four traders in a, in a, in a, in a room together, there's, that's, that's a recipe for some conflict. I feel like, you know, uh, <laughs> if depending on the trade, so I was very selective. I wanted to pick, it had to be the right guys. It just had to be the right fit. And I'm, I'm never, I couldn't be happier. These guys are, these guys are, are great. They're doing well and they're a pleasure to be around and I'm just really enjoying it. And I assume they are too. Nice. Nice. That's really cool, man. I'm, I'm happy for you. What's, you. Uh, what's it like on a, a day to day there? Like are there, do you have some sort of processes or routines in place? Like, is there a, a pre-market meeting? Um, if so, what sort of things do you discuss during them? Is there an after hours, like sort of reflection on the day? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So in the mornings, I'd say our mornings are pretty uniform. We're all, you know, individually at least going out there and sifting through what's available and seeing what, you know, between all the headlines and between all the gappers and, you know, the different size markets. Um, you know, I think each one of us is basically putting together our own game plan of what, we're looking to do on market open. Two of the guys really seem to like trading, you know, in pre-market. So they'll, they'll start pretty early. Uh, the guys get in at like 5 a.m. our time, which is 8 a.m. New York time. So these guys are waking up, you know, at like 4.30 in the morning or a little bit earlier to get into the office by five. Uh, I roll in a little late. I'm in at like 5.30 in the morning. Um, kind of the lazier one, but I love how I got 5.30 a.m. is light. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'd go in earlier. It's just, having a family at home, I'm staying up later than, you know, I, I just need to stay up late to do family stuff and do all that stuff. So, uh, I roll in like 30 minutes later, but, um, yeah, every morning we're basically putting our plans together and sometimes these plans overlap and we're looking for, um, you know, to see what we see, like, what do you think of this PR? You know, I read it. It sounds like, sounds like shit to me. It sounds like a bunch of nothing. Or, you know, it sounds like it might have merit or, you know, hey, did you check out their balance sheet or did you see that, uh, that recent shelf or, you know, 424 filing, you know, we're just looking for, we're just kind of sometimes alone, sometimes hunting together, forming our plans in the morning. Um, and like I said, sometimes those plans overlap, sometimes they don't. And you asked about like end of day, we're experimenting right now with like a trade review where we're at the end of the day. Or maybe sometimes during lull, when the market gets slow, we are sharing our trades. You know, someone will go first, and we'll just share our chart executions and and share our trades of what we were thinking. Just kind of like, you know, put yourself out there and totally derobe and just open yourself. You know, to honesty. You know, from fresh perspective, maybe from other traders that other guys that were in the same trades you were in or trading the same name you were in or just a fresh perspective from someone that wasn't even in the trade and had no, had no skin in that name. Um, and, and just kind of get some feedback from them on what they thought of your trades. And that can be a very, a very lucrative thing to do, but it's tough. It's, you know, it's tough because we, we, sometimes we mess up, we do stupid things. 
So it's putting yourself out there and sharing, you know, the great, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and just uh, seeing what people think. You know, it's just, I think the key of it all is I'll kind of take it back to the hiring process, even though I was answering a different one of your questions, but I really wanted to hire some guys that were, were hungry, that were hustlers, that were happy individuals, you know, people I want to be around. And these are guys that are growth minded, that they're consistent already, or they're almost consistent, that kind of thing. And let's get this going further. Let's grow together. Let's scale this up. You know what I mean? We're trading the amount of capital that we're trading now is more than any of one of us had access to individually or put together. I mean, it's, it's an opportunity to really, uh, push, push yourself as, as an individual and, and push yourself as a team and, and really take it to the next level and really grow as a trader. And I mean, that's what it's all about for me. That's why I had to just full speed ahead and, and just let's, let's build a team in San Diego. You know, just like I, I had to, I'll, I'll just say one last thing about it, Aaron. And that is like, I ne- I already had the dream job. Like I was, I was trading from home for years and years and years and years and years. And to me, that's the best thing in the world. It was for a very long time. Nothing's better. Nothing's better than being a full-time trader trading from home for a living. There's just nothing better. It's, it's the best thing in the world. And I never thought I would give it up. Never in a million years. But I'm not surprised I gave it up to really put a team together and you know, a team that wants to grow together, a team of guys that are just, I don't know how else to say it, man, just happy and hungry <laughs> and hustling you know, together every day. And just really going out there to get it and, and just really wants to, uh, to scale and, and really, really grow, having a growth mindset, that kind of stuff. I mean, you've definitely worked yourself into a really good seat. You're in a really good position now. You've got you know, plenty of resources around you. Uh, you've kind of got everything behind you now to, to really sort of scale this up and, and become um, you know, a really big trader and also the people around you as well. Definitely. And, you know, it's, and it, it, it is the right formula to, I think, I mean, at least for me coming from retail, from what I was doing as a retail trader, you just take the net of everything as retail and the net of everything now for me as prof. And it's just the right formula to really push the pedal and excel, you know, and just really see where you can take it, that kind of thing. I agree. Now, Let's let's talk about um, your trading. Let's get more specific about uh, your trading. We did the last podcast in 2016, and I'd love to ask you three questions about your trading since then and how it's evolved. So I'd like to ask you what's changed and what's stayed the same and, and what you've fine-tuned. But you know, let's, let's address each of those separately. So first of all, what has changed since 2016? If anything, if nothing's changed, then that's fine. But I'd love to just ask you that question. Oh God, since, yeah, 2016, I hit, you know, I, I've been able to push, push some size, you know, find, 
find consistency in using much bigger size than I was using in 2016. I mean, that's the biggest, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Um, but obviously that comes with more risk. And so I've definitely been taking on more risk since then, um, since, since 2016. But uh, there's, there's been some setbacks along the way, no doubt about it. You know, like I said, you know, just using hard stops. If I, if I figured out how to just exclu- exclusively use hard stops years ago, man, I feel like I could have saved a lot of money. But um, that's all right, you know. That's, I'm just fortunate for the experience and, and I'm, I'm glad to be where I'm at now and, and using hard stops now. Maybe I should just ask for some clarification around this because it's come up a few times now, these hard stops. So what were you doing in the past? Did you just kind of have an idea in your mind of, I'm going to stop out of this trade around this level? Mental mental risk, exactly. No hard stop, just a mental stop and be like, all right, if my risk gets to this point, the problem is I'm scaling as it's going against me. I'm getting bigger in the wrong direction. You know, now I'm getting so big, I don't want to take the loss or take part of it. My ego's involved. I'm invested. You know, it's got me. And, you know, I'm waiting to see, oh, I feel like if I stop out now, it's going to be at the at the top um, or the bottom. And, you know, it'll reverse sharply. I don't want, you know, let's wait and see what happens. All those, all that kind of thinking just kind of lends to the same, the same issue. Um, and hard stops is is a much, in my mind, it's trading that way now is, is much more responsible. It's, it's much more respectable before when I was retail, I could go, I could be down, you know, five or seven grand on the day. And then, you know, I might end the day up two grand. (laughs) My wife comes home from work and she just sees it on my face and she's like, Oh, bad day. And I'm like, yeah, She's like, oh, how bad? And I'm like, I mean, I traded like, I made, I made two grand, I made like a couple grand. And she's like, well, why are you so mad? I don't get what, you know, and I'm like, cause I traded, you know, I went down five or seven grand before, you know, to get there. It's just, it's not sustainable. It's, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. That's not good. That's a, that's a terrible, terrible process in my mind. And that's very dangerous. Very, very, very dangerous. So it's been a learning curve for me to adopt hard stops it's, it takes a different approach. Can I ask you how you think about stop placement? Like where are you going to place these hard stops? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. You know, I'm still trying to figure that, uh, that answer out myself. Um, I feel like there's times where you pick a spot, you know, you might take a stand and be like, this is it. I think this is the moment I'm going to size in right now. I'm going to get really big right here. This is it right now. And you put your risk on and I might put a hard stop in there, but I got to put a really tight collar on it because if it reverses, you know, I'm so big, I can't, I can't be trying to see what happens at that point. I got to be taking some risk off the table there. Yeah. For me, it's it's just been tough to pick hard, you know, spots because a lot of the times you'll get, you'll get lit up where a whole bunch of stops are going off with yours. You're, you know, you picked a stopping spot where it's really popular with everyone else that's on the same side of the trade. And you'll get some explosive moves out of it. I think a big part of, yeah, for me and my trading is like anticipating where I think the average guy is going to stop out, right? Like where, you know, where the guy, you know, the same guy that's in my side of the trade where he's going to stop or this, 
or the, or the average guy that's on the opposite side of my trade. You know, if I'm short and he's long, where's he going to stop? And I'm just trying to find those spots and, and really press on them when it's in my favor. And I think I've got, I've got good odds that I can, I can take advantage and, and put some healthy risk on. When you're using these hard stops, are you placing multiple hard stops at various levels? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's certain routes that you're going to route to that you might have some limitations to size. Um, so you got to take that into account. And also, it's just once you start trading healthy size, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to take it all off uh, in one shot. Because if, you, you know, if it, if it does... For example, if I'm short and it shoves and blows off and stops me out and does a sharp reverse reversal, now now I'm 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 working in hay, I'm working in haste trying to get back right in, right back in that trade and put that size back on at lower prices, which is even tougher if SSR is on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just it's it's trying to pick the right spots, putting your risk in a in, in the same spot that everyone else is putting your risk on. You're just turning into a fish like everyone else. You're just they're gonna. It, it doesn't take a genius to figure out where all the stops are for all the shorts, you know, depending on what the pattern is or what the, what the, the intraday chart looks like on the, on the name that you're trading, especially if you got a whole bunch of houses on the street that have shares easy to borrow, you know, and you know, everyone's bashing it on Twitter and there's a whole bunch of people short. It's, it just takes a lot of common sense. You know, it's just trying to take a bunch of pieces to the puzzle and put it together in a way that, that works for you and gives you an advantage. You said that, uh, another thing which has changed since 2016 uh, has been your ability to trade with larger size. Were there any tricks um, in, in being able to do so? Because I know this is something that a lot of people um, find difficult to do is, uh, and I think we spoke about this a little bit earlier, is you kind of become comfortable with certain uh, risk or trading certain size. Um, and it can be a little bit challenging to push that comfort zone and begin to trade with with more risk. So uh, was there anything which you found helpful and being able to get to that point? You know, it's funny. You basically said it. When you get comfortable trading a certain size, I mean, that alone was enough motivation for me to just keep pushing. Going from being a consistently losing trader and just losing money for years and years to finally, oh my God, I can make a hundred bucks every day with my eyes closed. Well, if I can make a hundred bucks, I can make 200 bucks. Well, I can make 200 bucks. I can make 400 bucks. And you start just challenging yourself, pressing, you know, pressing yourself. Well, you just, the, the issue is you can't do too much too fast. You can't go from making 500 bucks a day to deciding you're going to make 5,000 bucks a day. It just doesn't, at least for me, it didn't work like, you know, it doesn't work like that. You got to, it, it's a progressive, it's a progressive growth, you know, process, if you will. If you, uh, I don't know if you, if you, if you're used, to, if you're familiar trading a thousand shares a day and you could do it with your eyes closed and you're not, it's no big deal to you. If you just put 10% more size on, if you put, go 1100 shares, you probably won't even notice the difference. I mean, it's not that big a difference. You probably won't even care. So I think having an incremental, you know, pressing the pedal when you're doing well, and then having the wisdom to lay off the pedal when you're in a drawdown or you're not doing so well, I think that's the way to do it. I think that's, 
I think that's a great way to to play in the markets and at least for for me and my trading. Yeah, I think what you just said there is actually really good advice. Um, well, actually, I don't like using the word advice on this podcast, but a really good suggestion. <laughs> yeah, no, no advice here. <laughs> uh, incremental steps when you're doing well, when you're not doing well, having the the ability to actually recognize that and take your foot off the gas. When you start doing well again, then incremental steps. You the, know. the market, yeah, the markets can be so generous sometimes, and if it's enough to make you feel like a genius, but you just got to realize you're not. You got to, you know, trust in your process. Trust that, you know, it's just you, you're just you're just there. You're just you're just giving. You're just taking what it's giving you. But if the if the success is there, if the results are there, like if you're on a hot streak, well, why not press more? Why not risk more? I mean. As long as it's responsible, you know, that's, that's what I've always, that, that definitely helped me break out of my limitations since we last spoke in 2016. Who wants to, who wants to go around saying, yeah, I can make 250 bucks a day or I can make 500 bucks a day or even a thousand bucks a day with my eyes closed is, I mean, that's good money. I don't want to sound like a, a dick or anything, but it's not your full it, potential is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. There, that's a great way to put it. What, you know, a lot of people say, why, you know, what's the purpose of life or all this stuff? My, my, my answer is I really have no idea what, why <laughs> I you're going to say something really deep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I might get there, but I'll, you know, I'll just briefly try, but it's like, I don't really know, but I want to be, you know, I think you nailed it. Like your big, your best potential, like why settle for anything less than the best you can be. And I think best is a moving target. And I think there's always better. You know, it's, it's virtually impossible to put on a perfect trade, virtually impossible. There's always something you can improve on. And I think it's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong love. You have to be passionate about it. It's, it's just, a, it's a, it's a requirement. If, if you're not passionate, I, you're just never going to, you're going to, the market's just going to run you over and you're not going to be able to pick yourself up after time, time and time again of getting run over. I have really good trading conversations with my wife. I told you she's, or I don't know if I told you, but anyway, she started trading um, lightly. You know, not like not like me. She's not a market total market junkie yet, but she she understands it. She she totally gets it. And uh, you know, I'll tell her, oh man, I had this this trade, and it was just like I saw it and I was seizing it. I put my size on. It was it was going and then it started going against me and I took some stops, but I didn't. And then I started fighting it and all this stuff. And, you know, she'll just, she's like this great, you know, she's like this great thing that always tells me what I need to hear. And sometimes it's frustrating because I already know what I need to hear, but it's just, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic, you know, thing to have in your life. Um, you know, if your partner, if you will, is, is fully supportive of your, your passions, um, and she'll just tell you, you know, like, well, why, why are you so attached to the idea? You know, why be so attached to that trade? You're going to do this the rest of your life, Nico, like let go of the outcome. And I'm like, I know, I know, I, I know I should know that, you know, it's like you get these repeated, what's the word, you know, repeated principles, ideas, uh, you know, things that, uh, tenants, um, things that, you know, for trading that, 
but it's easy to forget them or, or, or some work and sometimes some don't and some other times it's, it's you know it's just really nice to get the reminders so shout out to my wife i love you <laughs> <laughs> so since 2016 what things about your trading have stayed the same stayed the same uh i still love just turd companies that run to the moon and and go really big and go far. Um, it's still a big part of what I'm interested in. I love the the micro markets, the micros. Uh, just I don't know, man. I'm just fascinated. You get these explosive moves uh, that you just can't get in these bigger names, or you just don't see every day in these bigger markets. Uh, I'm I'm still highly attracted to them, even though. They're extremely risky and can be very, very dangerous. So you'd say that your niche in the market has remained the same and the, the types of opportunities which you seek out have also remained the same. I think so. Yeah, definitely. I think so. I think so. But the thing is, is I've grown a lot in three years and I'm not looking to get involved. Uh, I mean, I still, I still get, you know, being a market timer is no easy feat. So, you know, I can easily be, be early, but, um, I'm much better now. I think being patient, having the discipline to remain patient before I'm, I get into the trade and, you know, I'm, I'm picking my spot. Uh, whereas before, you know, three years ago I was, I was seeing consistency, which was great. That's outstanding. That showed me there was a light at the end of my long tunnel, but um, I was often too early and I was off and I had mental risk. And I think, you know, for me in my trading, mental risk is a disease. And um, I'm that guy that if I'm not using a hard stop and I'm using mental risk, I'll take my stops when I'm supposed to most of the time, maybe, maybe even 80 or 90% of the time. But that 20 or 10% of the time I don't, I'm going to just bury myself. I'm going to lose a week or more, two weeks or more of, or maybe even a month's worth of hard work of consistency, you know, daily consistently just grinding it out every day. Uh, and I just, as I feel like that's old Nico, man, that's like a former life. Like I don't, I don't need to be that way anymore. That's, that's, and I'm certainly not looking to do that with firm capital. I'm not trying to look like a, you know, a fool to, uh, my cats in the team at all. One of the things you highlighted there was kind of having a bit more patience and almost timing your entries a little better, uh, which is maybe perhaps one of the things you've fine-tuned over the past three years. And this is one of the things which really impresses me about you is when you post like, um, you know, some of your trades on Twitter, uh, which you uh, plot your entries and exits, you know, how you, how you traded a particular name. Uh, is is just how well you actually time some of those entries. You seem to get it, uh, you know, you seem to just be getting in at optimal points. How do you, uh, obviously not in all cases, but, you know, when you get it right, you really do. What are some of the, the ways which you have helped you to better time your entries? Like, is there certain things you're looking for in the tape or... Uh, you know, do you have a rule of thumb for, you know, how extended these stocks are or what helps you to better time your, your entries? Sure. So back in 2016, 
around around then, like I said, I was seeing consistency, but I'd often be too early. And you start looking over your executions and you start going, man, I really got squeezed pretty good on that one. And oh man, I got squeezed on that one again. And you know, you start saying that over and over and over again. You start looking at the data and it's the numbers don't lie. The stats are there. The the data doesn't lie. And I found, you know, God, I'm really early a lot of the time. If I would just remain patient, there's a certain point where the chart is just begging you. It's just, it's like as though it's talking to you and it's like, Nico, right now, like of all the moments, right? You've been staring at this thing all freaking day. You've been watching the tape all day long. You know, you're being patient and you're like, I'm not going to get involved yet. And I'm not saying I do this every day. I, I, you know, I, I slip up all the time, but my best trades are definitely where I have the discipline to remain patient and not get involved too early. And I'm waiting for that moment. The reason that's such a huge edge is because that's where you can put size on. So if you see the tides changing in the market that you're trading, if you see the the shift, the turn, so to speak, and you see, and you're going, wait a minute, all these buyers that have longed all this volume all day long so far, I'm pretty sure they're going to start selling. You know, I, I know if I was one of them, I'd, I'm pretty sure I'd take that signal as a sell and I'd be looking for the exits. If I'm not involved to that entire point to get there, now I'm clear headed. That's a huge edge, huge edge. If I'm involved early on, I'm focused on getting bent. I'm focused on. I'm in the red. I'm focused on my size. I'm trying to get small, but I'm too big and it's going against me. I'm focused on losing money. I'm focused on all this stuff. If I can avoid all that and just not get involved and go, you know what? If this sets up, if this turns up into this, if it does that, it will be a mega opportunity. Like the opportunity will show itself. If it gets there, you know, who knows? No one's got a crystal ball, but oftentimes you see wild things happening. And if you focus on, you know, I want to focus on being a market timer. I want to focus on avoiding being early. I don't want to be involved. I don't want to have skin in that trade. And like I said, I'm not doing this every day. Sometimes I'm, you know, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, it's, it's a moving target, but my best trades are, are when I have the discipline to stay away until the tape in that chart is just begging me and I can't even help myself. And I'm just, I just get in there. I just, you know, you're just seizing the opportunity. You're, it's like um, something, it's like you've, you've seen it so many times. So on a subconscious level that you've seen it so many times on a conscious level that when you get back into that moment, and you're not involved, you have a clear head and you're just willing to go full risk on it right there in that moment. I mean, that's because you're not even trying to scale because you think that might be the turn. Uh, those are the best ones. Those are the ones that I, I'm not even saying they're perfect, but I mean, those, you know, nothing's perfect. You always wish you had more size on when you're right and less size on when you're wrong. But <laughs> those are the trades that make being a market timer, I think, really challenging. 
I know some people are going to listen to this and they're going to say, well, how do I know if I'm too early? It's like, it's one of those things you literally cannot even describe. Right. Like I could literally try to describe it for you, but I'm not sure that would have any relevance to like, I mean, we're, we all have different person. Like I, 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 I won't even bother trying to describe it. It's just, all I can say is you will know like the, the chart and the tape will just be screaming at you like now, 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 now. Like it's, it's like that. It's this tiny, tiny, tiny window of time where if you got involved with the amount of size you want to put on at any point before that, you'd be upside down and trying to figure your way out and you'd be fighting the thing and you'd be, or you'd be taking a ton of small paper cuts on the way up. And before you know it, by the time the the real opportunity came, you're already down multiple more R's than than you you wanted to be. It it it's that small window of time staying uninvolved. You're not involved, and then it's like I don't I just don't know how to describe it. It just the char- the tape. It's like you see it in real time, and you're going now 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 now. And a lot of the time in those like influx moments, it's it's a lot of the time it's like these sharp reversals where a bunch of sh- a bunch of stops will go off and it'll help kind of the tsunami move turn into a bigger tsunami. And if you pick your spots, right, what I like to do when I pick these spots is I'll like to, what I call slip into them where I'll, I'll, um, basically stop my way into them, stop entry and get bigger with more stops as it's going in my favor. And the other advantage to that is, is, even though it's, you know, bringing my average, you know, if I'm shorting it, it's bringing my average down of my position. The great news is, and everyone wants the best average, I get it. But the great news is, is price is going in my favor. So I'm only getting bigger as, as price is going in, you know, the direction I want it to go. Um, and, and the fact that there's an influx of stops helping create that that explosive move uh, just makes it even, even better because those are the moves that really scare the longs, make them want to turn into sellers. That's basically it. I totally understand your point in saying it, it's really difficult to describe because I think it's, yeah, that's that's probably very true. It's it's probably, um, you know, one of those things which you've just learned from so many hours in front of the screen. You know, screen. You just time. stare at it for endless hours and hours and hours. You know. Weeks turn into months, turn into years, and <laughs> you just become. I, there's a point where you know you're going, you know you're t- turning blue in the face because you're just staring at this stuff so long. But even if you don't think you're getting it on a conscious level, it, I think it's still advantageous because I think there's there's a lot of power to be had by the you know that the subconscious mind provides, and a lot of this stuff it can be pattern recognition like you just you just see it over and over and over and over again and you go wait a minute last time i saw that we got a really big move really big move you know that's the kind of trade i want and if you can couple that kind of thinking with a thesis kind of before you get there to define the opportunity i you know i just think that's a recipe for success man Mm. I guess uh, the other side of this is being able to time your exits. Again, this is something which uh, I'm often quite impressed by is how well you do time your exits. 
How do you think about sort of unwinding these trades? I think, you know, the tough part is knowing what trade is a scalp, what am I looking to scalp, and what trade am I looking to put a position on and, you know, does this have a chance of fading all day? Or is this like something I think I'm going to be able to hold a few hours? It's putting a lot of things together. And, you know, I'm not always getting it right. You know, a lot of the time I'll end up piking something and at the end of the day, I'll just be like, damn, man, I can't believe that. Like, I might have made 40 cents on the trade, but I could have made $1.40 per share or something. I mean, it's just, none of this is an exact science, but, you know, having repeat offenders and understanding the environment of the micro movers, the micro market that we're in, you know, sometimes we're in a micro market where these, these micro movers, they'll just, they'll run and run and run. And maybe you get a continuation move on day two. And maybe you don't even get a sell, you know, they just get, they run for days and you don't really even get shorts, just get plowed through and run over and steamrolled until day three. And then in other times you'll have a micro market where, you know, they're, they're pretty weak and man, they can't even get a good day going. They'll get like a morning gap and a push, and then they'll end up fading for the rest of the day, or maybe they'll make it for a few hours in strength and then they'll end up fading the rest of the day. So I'm, I'm trying to be in tune with what, you know, a lot of people that trade, a lot of traders that trade uh, big cap stocks, they're highly, highly, highly in tune with what, um, you know, so, you know, if I'm trading Apple, then if I was a, a big board trader and I'm trading Apple or Google or something, I might be highly in tune with what the NASDAQ index is doing, right? Because it's like uh, birds of a feather flock together, that kind of thing. So normally the index leads or you get relative strength and weakness from one to the other, that kind of thing. So... I'm kind of taking that strategy or that type of thinking, if you will, and trying to apply it to the micro markets. Um, you know, what kind, what kind of environment are we in? Are we in an environment where these things are, are able to get, you know, go really strong and big? If so, I'm going to be reluctant to, maybe I'm just going to avoid day one, do my best to avoid and not get involved on day one and just see if I can get it. If there's any opportunities on, on day two and, and just see if I can, play it that way. Or, or if we're in a really weak market for micros, then in something gaps, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll be more inclined to be more aggressive, um, off the open or, or that kind of thing. Something like that. As you're kind of hinting to there. And as we spoke about, uh, right at the beginning, you, you said that the micro market, the micro caps, uh, that sector has been heating up a little bit lately. Let's do one last question. We'll close it out here. But for someone who's a newer trader, someone who's less experienced uh, and who is uh, getting involved in this area of the market, do you have any kind of suggestions or any, um, any words of caution, things to look out for, what to be aware of with regard to these particular types of plays? I, I guess what, what you can probably speak to is more to playing the short side, but you know, I know there are traders who also uh, participate in the long side as well, but definitely, definitely. Just, yeah. What are, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. So I guess going from retail to professional, you know, I'm not, there's no advice. There's no, uh, suggestions, none of that. Um, but I can share what I did for me in my trading. You know, I was always highly interested in micros and before getting consistent, consistent, seeing consistency, I think keeping your size small is, 
is, is a really big, was a really big thing for me, keeping my size small. You know, if you go too big, too quick, if you get on the wrong side of something, especially, you know, if you, a small account, I mean, it could just be detrimental and it's so easy. It's so, so, so easy on these things to get stuck and they can go so much further than you think. And it, especially if you're like not using hard stops and you're like a mental risk type of guy or girl trader, it can just take you to the cleaners, man. You know, even if you're small, you get something like Tilray or something, or I don't know, like IGC. IGC was, you know, I think that thing went to like 14, 15 or 16 bucks from two, $2. I mean, if you had a small account, and you only had 2000 shares at two bucks. You're like, well, it already popped up 50%. I'll just wait for the fade and I'll be right eventually. And you just got mental risk on it. You never eat your mental risk. I mean, when that thing goes to the teens, if you got a small account, you're dead. You know, kiss that account goodbye. So these animals, they tend to do things that are just amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So be respectful. Don't think, you know, I, I never want to press, and I still do it, but my goal is I never want to press my my vision for a trade onto the market. You know what I mean? Like I want price to show me whether I'm right or wrong. I want price to to lead the way. And I my goal is to not be attached to the trade. But these these micros, man, they are <laughs> it's a love hate thing. You know, it, they're they're the most beautiful thing ever if you can nail them and you can time them right. But uh if you can't got to be careful, got to respect the risk. Got to love protect your capital. That's 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 the number one thing. Good stuff, man. Nice words of wisdom. Uh, Nico, you're on Twitter. Uh, can you please share your Twitter handle? Sure. It's a uh, inefficient market. I think it's at here. I'm pulling it up right now so I don't mess this up because I know it's like ones without vowels or something. It's at inefficient MRKT. Okay. I'll repeat that. It's at inefficient MRKT. Uh, and folks listening to this episode, uh, I would encourage you to go back and listen to uh, the first podcast I did with Nico. This is, of course, the second one. Uh, the first one you can find at chatwithtraders.com slash 96. It was episode 96. What, what are we on now? Or what, uh, this will be episode 180-something. Wow, man, you've been busy. Awesome. <laughs> well, don't forget it was three years ago. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. And that uh, the title of uh, that previous episode, uh, I think, was, was a good one and, and very fitting. And uh, it was titled uh, An Eight-Year Overnight Success Story. So, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think that sticks in some people's mind. I had a bunch of people tell me they really liked that episode. So, um, oh, right I think on. it resonated with, with many people. So, yeah, if you're listening to this, make sure you go back and listen to that episode as well when you get a chance. Nico, I want to say, uh, absolute pleasure speaking to you again. I'm, I'm really excited for you. And um, it's, nice to, it's nice to catch up with traders who have had on the podcast in the past and just sort of see how they've you know, evolved and continue, continue to progress. So, um, you know, I love what you're doing. And yeah, of course, we'll, we'll keep in touch. So yeah, thanks for doing this again. Hey, pleasure's all mine. I'm honored to be on again. Thanks for all that you do for the community, man. You've created a tremendous resource for, I mean, it's just tremendous. And I don't mean to sound like the president. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. 
very much. Thank you. Cheers, man. And that's a wrap. You've reached the end of this episode of Chat with Traders. But rest assured, there are more episodes loaded with real market insight and zero hype on the way soon. So to stay updated with each great new release, subscribe to the podcast and iTunes. And we'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. We'll catch you next time on Chat with Traders. Chat with Traders.